<laughs> All right, Christmas time. You, you know, I know this, man. Christmas, to me, I'll probably say until about a couple, a couple years back, always seemed um, kind, of just, kind of just like this, this picture, which you really can't see very, very well because we've, we've got lights on. Um, but it always seemed as this kind of angelic, these boots are squeaking, sorry. I'm like walking around and it's like, hopefully you don't hear that. I'm, I'm sorry, I must have ADD today or something. But, it's, but, but, but you know, it just always seemed, seemed like this angelic, perfectly put together time in history where it just all worked out to just, just in the perfect way. Just, it was just so nice. Jesus, even though he was in some sort of barn, it was just all perfect. It was just all nice and neat and awesome, and it was just beautiful. But kind of as I kind of re-examined the Christmas story, and actually, I don't know, you know, you know, because, you know, because I'm 34 now. I got kids, a wife, and, and I just kind of see things maybe now from possibly a different perspective. But when I see the Christmas story, I see it's kind of random. A pregnant virgin, no room for God in a hotel, a, a decree from Caesar, a single guy who is engaged to a impregnated virgin. Um, it just, it's just all kind of like, hmm, a little odd, doesn't it? Like, if you were God, writing your story for how you wanted to come to earth. I would probably say most of us here would probably write a different script. Like most of us here, if we had control over it, let's just say, you know, honestly, if we were God and we had control and, and, and we were kind of, you know, this guy up in the sky and we had this all power you know, we were three yet one, and we wanted to physically show ourselves and, and bodily function who I was. I don't know. I would probably get almost like a circus. Like I'm like like I'm seeing juggling monkeys. I'm seeing elephants. I'm seeing me riding in on an elephant. Like I'm seeing like a like a parade. I'm seeing something extravagant. But what we see the script that God is writing for Him coming to Earth is this whole idea of lowliness, humbleness, random, and messy. Kind of like our lives, huh? What I see is that the way Jesus, the way that God decided to come to earth was messy and random and very, and very unique and honestly is really a microcosm of how many of our lives are. Wouldn't you probably say if you could write the script of your life, there would be a few things you would have done differently. That first marriage you would have probably not gotten into. You'd probably want to take the, the eraser and mark that out. Maybe that purchase you made when you were maybe, I don't know, a little intoxicated. You maybe would not have done. Maybe, maybe there's things you would have done when you were intoxicated you would maybe take back. And you have a physical living person now as a side effect of something you did when you were intoxicated, right? Like you would probably go back and probably erase and probably change 
a few things. But at the same time, like probably most of us here, all of us here would probably look back and be like, my life has been sort of random and sort of messy. And I think we can get mad at that. I think we can, like, God, why? You know, we can ask, God, is this your will? Well, you know what? At the same time, we see in the Christmas story a random, messy story of God coming to earth that really, that really I believe this, is really a, a microcosm of how many of our lives are. A con- just a conglomeration of randomness, and messiness that honestly many, many times leaves us wondering, why did that happen? What in the world? Is anybody tracking? Can you say that? Can you just look back at your life and just be like, what in the world? That word, God's will. God's will. I think we know what it means, sort of, but honestly, I think whenever Christians say it, you know, because honestly, Christians have sort of words, 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 words that they say that mean one thing, but actually we know it means something else, right? So a preacher one time said this great example of this word harvest, right? Whenever a Christian says, we're going to reap the harvest, Christians can most of the time think it's going to be easy. It's my time to reap. I've sown, time to reap. And it's going to be easy. God, God going to flood blessings on me. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome because I've sown that seed. And I'm going to reap in the name of Jesus. Right? And, 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 but really, though, if you say harvest to a farmer, ask a farmer about harvest. And he'll tell you nothing about it being easy. He'll actually say harvesting is the hardest season. 6 a.m., 8 p.m. And what you're doing, you are harvesting what you planted. You've got to uproot it. You've got to get it out. You've got to shuck it. You, you, it's like you got to, that is one of the hardest seasons. But Christians, we think harvest easy. I'm going to reap my harvest. And I think this word God's will kind of falls into to that, right? God's will. Whenever we say God's will, let me tell you what most Christians think of. They think of clean and easy. Right? Like, I don't hear no one saying, I'm being persecuted. It must be God's will. You know, um, this, this investment that I did, it, it failed. Don't think it was God's will. You know, um, this person that I was in, 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 in a relationship, they, they, were, they, were, they were just crazy. Uh, it's probably God's will. You know, it's like, but if someone was like, I just won a million dollars. That's God's will. Like, thank you, Jesus. That is the Lord's will, right? Like, we typically think the will of God, if, if, if we're all honest, the will of God is always going to come to us cleaner, easier, and, and, and really have less mess than what we typically think, right? So, like, think about this. Um, if I was going to write my, if I was going to write my script over, I would speak fluently all the time. But God, I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess God's, God's will for me was to take up a lot more of your time by trying to get words out. I don't know what, like, God's will was for me 
to stutter. Now, now, I want to be like, God, give me that pen. I want to rewrite this. But, but no, it's like this, is, this has been God's will. But what I have seen is I've given God's will time. You see, and we can't say that God has, has been faithful unless we give him time to be faithful. See, we always want God's will to be immediately known, immediately shown to us, immediately just, just laid out for us step by step. I don't know if you've ever read scripture. Many times, there's not many times where God lays it out step by step. What God calls you to do is take one step and trust him with the future. Right? Like, I never knew that my one step of saying yes to go to Hagerstown, Maryland, would actually be why I'm in this, this theater right now. Going to Hagerstown, Maryland, a city that I had never even heard of, I said yes to God in that, in that season, and actually there ended up meeting Patrick Grash, the person that started the first Lifehouse Church, that has now started other Lifehouse Churches, and we are a byproduct of that and just by one simple decision and saying yes to God and not understanding why in the heck am I going to Hortz as an 18 years old to go do this Bible college program at this church that only has three students? What the heck? But I said yes to God. And what I have seen is God's will is not always going to be clean. It's not always going to make sense. It is not always going to be something that you can fully and completely grasp. And do you know where we actually see that in the Christmas story? And we're going to actually talk about different characters in this series where we're going to kind of look at their perspective and see the complete randomness of God's will. You know, and and here's the the thing, too. Um, What I've seen is people like formulas, right? We like to know this plus this equals this. We like to know if we do this, God will do this, and I will get this, right? That is what we typically like. We like a formula God. A want, because honestly, when you have a formula, do you know what you can do? You can control it. And let's just be real and honest. We like to serve a God that we can control. We like to serve a God that that, that if he is a formula God, you know, and people teach this stuff where they say, you know, if you give 10% of your money, God will press down, shake it together, and overflow. And, and here's the thing. I'm not saying that God won't bless you. But I think we got to really understand what that whole press down, shaking together, overflow is. God's not a stock market. He's not somebody you, you just kind of invest 10%. Trust me, I know. My mom tied for 30 years. She was broke. But her giving was was not a, God, I'm going to do this, and God, you better do this. It was an act of obedience. And what she said, she she would tell me this. She said, yes, I, I don't have that much cash, but I've got two kids that love Jesus and got saved in the church that I was giving to. And she said, I would rather have two kids serving, serving Christ than millions of dollars. Because the bottom line, what actually matters is people's eternity. So, 
we, we like to have this kind of clean idea, and, and we like to put God in this box and keep God in this formula mentality. Why? Because we like a God that we can control. And really, whenever you try to control God, what you do is the person that is actually God isn't God, it's you. Because you are the one that is trying to control God and make him do what you want him to instead of, of saying, God, what do you want me to do and doing that? Check it out. We like to make God in our image rather than saying, God, how can I be made in your image? But God is not a formula, y'all. God's will is random and messy and typically beyond anything you or I can really ever even grasp. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says this, God's thoughts are not thoughts, neither are his ways our ways. As high as the heavens are above us, so far is God's thoughts and God's ways above ours. Do you know what that actually tells me? God works in mysterious ways. Now some of y'all might be shocked to know that's not in the Bible. Did you know that? God works in mysterious ways. It's not an actual scripture in the, in the Bible, in case you didn't know that. Some of y'all are like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. But if there was any scripture verse as close to that, it is this one where it says God's ways are so much higher than us. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above us, so are God's ways higher than ours. What does that mean? It means we've got to stop trying so many times to figure out God's will and simply obey. I've seen so many Christians, man, trying to figure out the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. Figure out the will of God. Figure out the will of God. If only God would bring an angel, then I would obey. If only he would write in the clouds, go this way, John, do that, then I would obey him. Give me a sign, God. And, and, and you know, I think we have good hearts in that. But you know what the bottom line is, is, is if we got God's word, like God's breathing, living, breathing word available to us every single day, and like a lot of us don't even read it. And so we'd say, oh, just give me a sign. God's like written a sign. His will has been written. But check it out. Put yourself, guys, do we have any fellas, fellas here? You got, you know, wife, kids. How many of you remember your, en your engagement? We're seeing some fellas like, I think. I remember that. Yeah, we got some people here. You kind of remember your engagement story. I just want you to kind of put yourself back in that engagement time where it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful moment, man. Like, you know, you guys are in love. You proposed to her, and you had this big elaborate plan. Like, if you want to hear a great engagement plan, Andy Furrow, right, right, right there, sitting, raise your hand up, Andy. Andy, at the soundboard, ask him about his engagement to Clarissa. It was awesome. I give dude props, man. Like, he planned this out perfectly around a once-in-a-lifetime event. It was awesome. Ask him. Anyway, but this is engagement, right? Imagine Mary and Joseph engaged, okay? And um, Joseph loves Mary and engaged to her. And we're going to actually pick up here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 24. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 24. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 24. And it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, Jesus the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, which 
in biblical terminology means they had sex. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The God card came out. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, So just, just get this conversation that Joseph and Mary had. Mary comes in, hey, Joseph, how you doing, babe? Can we chat? Yeah, babe, what's up? You need some? You need some food? You need some, some Chipotle? You want me to go get you some food or something? Just some Chipotle? No, nah, babe, we got to talk. I got to let you know something. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I know we ain't been together. I know we have not come together like the Bible says. We ain't done nothing physically. So tell me who this guy is so I can kill him. So I can murder him. And then she pulls out, it's from God. <laughs> How many of y'all here, be honest, you've had the God card pulled on you? And then and this, God gets blamed for so much stuff. When it's just people don't want to do something. Like, I've had people, you know, girls, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I did, I don't remember. But I know some people have had, because they didn't want to be in relationship with this person, because they thought them, they found them annoying, they just found them not attractive, they did not want to date them no more, they said, you know, I I prayed about it. (laughs) And the Lord told me it's time for us to break up. (laughs) And it's like, are you blaming that on God? He just didn't, didn't put on deodorant. And you're blaming God? Like, come on, man. Like, so Mary pulls out the God card, and, and she's like, yo, this is from God. And just imagine Joseph, fellas. Imagine Joseph, fellas. You're a God-fearing man, but you've got the Old Testament law. And, yeah, you've got some, some kind of like, you know, prophetic stuff in the Old Testament that talks about the coming of, of the Messiah, that talks about Jesus coming and stuff like that. And so, you, you know, it's, uh, you know, but then she, no, this is from God, baby. Just calm down. This is from God. What would you do if you were Joseph? Well, do you know what Joseph was going to do? He said that he was going to divorce her quietly. Why? Because <laughs> you probably did what all of us would, would, would do. It's like, yo, this girl slept around on me. Uh-uh. But uh, do you know what, though, this kind of shows the Holy Spirit will work outside of the way that we think. It said that this pregnancy was from the Holy Spirit. This pregnancy was from God. How many things in your life have you thought were just crazy and, and random but were actually the work of the Holy Spirit, working God's will and God's plan? And some of y'all need to go back and remember those. Because what that does is that will give you faith and trust in God for the future, whenever you look back and see this crazy random stuff that happened to you, was actually God's will and God's plan working out. And there's so many things that we say, oh, God don't work like that. God don't work like that. No, God God works in my formula. This was totally formula mind-blowing right here. God will work outside of your formula to accomplish his will and to accomplish his plan. But check it out. Joseph here, he says, but after he had considered this, <laughs> thought about it, meditated on it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to us to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I can hear, well, John, if I had an angel show up in my dream, I'd do it too. If I had God show up in crazy ways, but then I had him confirm it in a dream, well, duh, I would be all about it too. Joseph ain't no great guy. What I, what I said earlier, guys, look, we always want God to give us these crazy signs to show that we're in his will when we won't even obey his written will. It's like, why are we asking God to show us signs and show us things that we won't even obey? what he's already given us. This isn't bashing you. This is, this is saying this. We have to make sure that we don't become educated beyond our obedience. So easily we can get educated beyond our obedience and say, I want something deeper in the spiritual realm. This Jesus guy is good, but I need something more. It's like, no, you still can't forgive people. So you want Jesus to show you his incredible will when you won't even obey one of the most simple talked about things in Scripture. Forgive people. We cannot ask God to show us something more beyond what we're not willing to actually obey. And you might, yeah, he had an angel. Yeah, he had an angel. He had a dream and he had this angel come up to him. Do you know who wrote the Bible? The same person that put Jesus in, in Mary was the same guy that wrote this book. The Holy Spirit was written through human beings, was written through sinful people just, just like you and, ju and just like us. But the scripture tells us they were carried by the Holy Spirit and wrote a, a, con a conglomeration of 66 different books, put into one book, 40 different 40 different authors, over 1,500 years, comes together, and we've got what we now know and see as God's written word. 2 Timothy 3 tells us this, that all Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God-inspired and is, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can cry out to God, give us signs, give us signs, give us signs. Give me an angel in, in my dream. But here's the deal. God has already given us something that far surpasses anything any angel would ever say. And that's his word. That's, that, 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 that right there is scripture. So we got to make sure that we're not saying, God, show me something more when you won't even obey what God has already showed you now. So many Christians know so much but do so little. Knowing isn't the problem. Obedience is. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, you know, let's just call it what it is. Knowing isn't the problem for United States Christianity. 
Because we've got all the knowledge. We've got more commentaries. We've got more websites. We've got more Bible apps. We've got more. We have a plethora of Bible knowledge, scholars, whatever. But we, but we are pupils when it comes to obedience. And what I see here is Joseph. We see Joseph. He had this, 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 this dream, and then he obeyed. But then what, what I see is also interesting is there were two other times where Joseph had dreams in Egypt. And there was one other time here that I, in the return to Nazareth. There were two other times that, honestly, Joseph did not know what to actually do. But you know what? He had that same dream. An angel appeared to him, and he obeyed what the angel said. And really what I think this, obedience breeds obedience. You know what I'm saying? Obedience to God will show you that God is faithful. And when you see that God is faithful, then you will be like, I need to be faithful in my obedience. Why? Because obedience breeds obedience. And you will not see the faithfulness, of, the, the faithfulness of God if you don't obey. If you don't obey. And, and you don't say, God, what are you showing me? And actually following it. Joseph, I believe Joseph obeyed God multiple times because he obeyed God the first time and saw the faithfulness of God. Whenever you obey, you open yourselves up to receive the blessing of God, and also you open yourself up to see the faithfulness of God. Some of you have made choices and made decisions that you are questioning right now because you don't know if it was God. Whenever you made that decision, you felt that it was God. But maybe some things have happened, maybe some things have, have gone on, and because it's been a little while, you are questioning whether that was what God wanted, and you're questioning whether if that was God's will. When, check it out, you need to give God's will time for it to actually see if, if it's true, right? Like, you've got to give it time. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Do not become weary in doing good, for at the appointed time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. I believe so many people give up right when they're on their breakthrough. Like, honestly, I can look back at my life, and those times where I've wanted to quit pastoring, I wanted to quit my marriage, I wanted to, to, to quit being a dad, like times where, the, where it was just a tough pressure time, money was tight, time was tight, I was hating the jobs that I had. All of these things that I wanted to quit on, I'm telling you, right on the other side of that pressure was promise. And there's some of you here, you are about ready to give up on something that God has told you to what? Obey. And possibly that could, could be something vocational, but also some of you here are on that verge of giving up on God completely because, because what you think is this is a load of garbage. Because you haven't seen the blessing. You haven't seen God's, God's goodness and faithfulness. First off, if you've got, if you've got Jesus, that is the best thing that the first off you could ever have beyond anything physical. But check it out. God wants you, when things seem random, when things are messy, when things don't, don't make sense, and you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? Let me challenge you with this. Obey what is clear. 
Obey what is clear. Obey what is clear. Because here's the deal. We, we all go, God, is this your will? God, God, God. You know, and so many Christians, they can get so locked up. Is this God's will? Does God want me to ask this person to come to, to church with me? Holy Spirit, help, help, help me. Let me answer that question for you. Yes. You don't need to pray about that. You don't need to ask God about that. Why? Jesus said, said this, that I've come to make disciples of all nations. That means I'm in it for all people. I'm in it for every background, every, whatever. I want all people. So if you're praying, God, do you want me to speak to this person about you? The answer is yes. You don't got to pray. And there's so many things that we pray about that are clear in God's word. Obey what is clear and quit trying to just figure things out. Now, check it out. I know this. Does anyone here have a hard time obeying God? Very much so. It's almost as if you've got this nature. Inside of you. That is almost against the very things that, God's are, that God is for. Anyone felt that? It's like you've got this idea of what you know that you should do. But you kind of got this good angel, bad angel thing. This side of knowing, yes, I know this is what God says. Yes, I know this, this pastor said it at some point in my life that I've read or seen or something. I don't know, I've read a book. But then you got this side of you that's like, this would feel really good right now. This would make me feel better right now. I'll ask for forgiveness later. And Scripture's clear on that. Romans 7, man, it's, it's called the power of sin. It's the power of our sin nature. That scripture tells us is, is against God completely and totally. And Paul, the guy who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, Paul in Romans 7 said this, What I want to do, I cannot do. What I want to do, that is what I do not keep on doing. So what I want to do, I don't keep on doing. So Paul, you got, you're like, dang, Paul, well, thanks for the encouragement, brother. Thanks for the loving encouragement that you've got in, your, you know, in this letter that you're writing to this church saying, yep, those, those, those good things, those Christ-like things that, 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 that I want to do, that what I strive to keep on doing, that is not what I don't keep on doing. And Paul basically in, in Romans 7, he says, this, what, what do we do? We've got this desire to, to do good, but we can't even carry it out. What in the world do we do? In Romans chapter 8 then comes. You know, Paul, he keeps on writing. You got to let the script work itself out. You got to give the will of God time. You got to let it play out. Paul, Paul wrote this. He said, therefore, after he goes through all of that stuff saying you can't obey, you know, in the power of us, we can't. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. First off, he says this, quit condemning yourself. I'm going to say this the nicest way that I can, but you're a bad person. Welcome, welcome to Lifehouse. We love you. You're welcome here. Can I get a keyboard or, 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 or something behind me where closing? I promise. When... That was cool. I don't know how that happened, but there was no one up here when, when that came on. That was neat. That, that was God's will. 
That was the will of God right there. The will of God. No, but Romans 8, he comes on, and, and basically Paul says, don't beat yourself up because you can't obey. It's, it's your nature. It's your curse. We can see in the book of, it's, it's your curse. So some of you here are beating the snot out of yourselves, condemning yourself, because that what you want to do, that you can't do. And you beat yourself up, and you say, I'm a sinner, I'm no good, God doesn't love me, God doesn't want me, God, God, why would God ever like me, want me to have to do anything, have, to, have anything to do with me? But then Paul says, yes, there, there is therefore now no condemnation, so stop condemning yourself. Here's, here's the deal. Conviction and condemnation are, are different. Conviction, you want the Holy Spirit con- you want the Holy Spirit convicting you. You want the Holy Spirit telling you, you probably shouldn't do that. That was dumb. What you said there, you need to go and apologize. What you did to, to that person, you should probably pay them back. Conviction is your friend. Do not disregard the Holy Spirit's conviction. Why? Because, dude, let me tell you how old people are. People, we become seared like a hot iron, meaning we build up calluses to, to God's conviction when we don't obey it. And it just becomes a further distant voice whenever we don't obey God's conviction to us. But at the same time, condemnation is basically saying this, I'm terrible, I, I, you know, I, I'm no good. It's basically giving yourself an, an identity. When as a Christian, your identity is not found in what you do, it's found in what Jesus did. And nothing can take that. Nothing can take that, that, that from you. Why? Because Jesus lived a life that you could not live. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died a horrific death in your place and for your sin and went up onto the, to the cross and had his hands and feet nailed and, and had his side pierced and had a crown of thorns put on his head and he died in your place for your sins but rose from the grave and overcame Satan's sin and death no one can find his grave no one can find Jesus' body because it's not here it's resurrected he's sitting beside the Father and if you receive what Jesus did that gives you a new identity 2 Corinthians 5 says, says this those that are in Christ you are a new creation the old is gone and the new is here so fundamentally, your identity, if you receive Christ, is changed like that. But although that is our identity, what we can do many times is we can feed into, into condemnation. Because what the enemy wants to do more than anything, he wants you to, to think and believe that you are not who you actually are. And that's a child of God. He wants you to make you feel like you're some sort of just like orphan, a spiritual orphan. Make you feel like you're not good enough. Make you feel like you're the worst person in the whole world. And that's when you've got to remind the devil of who you are. I don't care how many times you've messed up. Get back up. I don't care how many times you've said, I mean, I'm not going to tell my daggone kid, Jackson, if, if he's trying to walk and he, and he keeps on following, you're a terrible son, Jackson. You're a terrible. No, I'm like, dude, get up. Come on. Get up. Get up. Get up. And that's what God would tell you today. Get up. Get up. Yeah, I know you've sinned a whole lot. Join, join the club. 
but I'm telling you, God wants to give you not just a brand new identity, he wants to give you new desires to where your full desire is to obey what God has revealed. Being, being, being a Christian does not just change your identity. Being a Christian changes your desires for the things that God desires. And you have this craving to say, what God's word says, that's what I want now. So many Christians in this country are just content within identity but there's got to be obedience with the identity to cement that identity because dude I'm telling you without obedience you will consistently be questioning and wondering what God's will is when he's already given it to us he's given it to you obedience breeds obedience Joseph shows us this also know your identity, your, your God, God, God's will, whatever that is. If it was random for God, it's going to be random for you. Can you just accept that? If God's will for himself was random and messy, God's will for you is probably going to be random and messy too. Get, get used to it. Quit trying to put God in a box. Quit trying to get these formulas. Have faith in God. Trust him and obey what is clear. Amen. Stand up with me today, Lifehouse. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your truth. God, I just want to pray for each person here. I just feel a weight. I feel a sense of regret and pain. And God, I just pray that you would replace that now with forgiveness and hope. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, what I said earlier about Jesus, maybe you, you need to start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ today. Maybe you're in this place and this is the first time that you've been to church in a long time. But I want to let you know today that you can have a brand new start with God because of Jesus. Just, just like we read in Scripture earlier in Matthew 1 where it, where it talked about Jesus was going to come to earth. He was going to be what? Emmanuel, God with us, and he would save his people from their sins. That includes us. That promise was for all of us here. And possibly today here, you've never received the gift of God's grace, the gift of God's for forgiveness. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've heard of, of God. But like I said earlier, whenever you receive Christ, it's a fundamental identity change, and it goes over into what you desire, and you say, I want the things of God. So, so just with every head bowed here, really, really quick, if you would say, Pastor John, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want a fresh start with God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to simply count to three, and whenever I say that, if you would take, just, just take your right hand, put it up. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. On the count of, of on, on, on the count of three, everyone here, ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone here? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lifehouse? Lifehouse is what we're going to do. We're going to pray with those that raised their hand today to receive Christ for the very first 
time. So can we all join in and pray and, and pray with those today? Ready? If everyone could say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. I give you my present. And, and, I, and I give you my future. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sins to bring me closer to you. Jesus, give me the grace and strength to be obedient to what you say. Thank you for giving me new desires, godly desires, ones that please you. God, I submit to you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen.